I want to know who who would who would you fight, Matt? Like a marketing yeah, person? Oh, yeah, it has to be somebody in our space. <laughs> oh man, I'd fight Tony Robbins. <laughs> Tony Robbins, interesting. <laughs> I think like I know Russell Brunson would probably kick a lot of ass because he's been wrestling for a he's long a wrestler, time. It's true. Yeah, I mean, I need somebody scrawny. I think I would probably go with like Brendan Burchard. <laughs> he's pretty small. <laughs> Good morning, marketers. Uh, we are back, and today we got a new crew with us. We got Yaro, who was with us on the last episode, and we got Tom Morks from InfoStack. Say hi, guys. How hey. you doing, Matt? And uh, uh, these guys are two great marketers uh, who will have a lot of insights. We're going to be covering uh, news that's happening for creators and how some creators are getting paid some really big bucks. Before we get into it, why don't you guys both kind of uh, take a minute to introduce yourselves? Because Yara, I don't think you, we did a lot um, introducing you last time, and then Tom as well, just so that way the audience kind of gets to know you guys. So Yara, why don't you go first? Yeah, you, you kind of did last time, Matt. We were, we were talking about blogging uh, for 20 years, but uh, long story short, started a blog in late 90s. Um, that Well, Actually, it's too long a story now, but I've been teaching blogging how to make money for a good 15 years. But the last sort of five, six years, I've been uh, co-founder of InboxDone.com, uh, which is an email management virtual assistant company. And Tom has to be one of our very early customers. So uh, great, great social proof here, Matt. Thanks for choosing Tom to <laughs> reinforce. I thought, I thought that was a funny coincidence. Yeah. yeah. Tom, Tom and I were meeting just to catch up, and then, uh, and then, yeah, then I found out you guys worked together, and then Tom was uh, uh, used to have a podcast, and so then he was down again. Yeah, and this is where Matt, Tom you say you buy yourself. all of the InfoStack, you know, products that are launched, right? So <laughs> if you have a daily deal, I'm in. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna leave it there because honestly, angel investing, digital nomad, traveling around the world, you know, sold a few companies um, or websites, really more than companies, but. Uh, been living the laptop lifestyle for most of my adult life. That's that's what matters. And more importantly, for the topic of this podcast, I love content. I've been blogging, podcasting, watching YouTube. Uh, I'm very proud that some of my social accounts are like registered in like 2006, 2004, 2005. I even have Yarrow on Reddit, which is like my the one place I got Y-A-R-O as my username. So I'm very proud of that. <laughs> and also, you've been wanting to get into the creator space for a while, right? So like you went to VidCon. So I assume you, you're applying to kind of get on YouTube and do more on YouTube? Yeah, but uh, to be honest, yes, as a creator, but more as a platform owner supporting creators. Like I've always wanted to do software, SaaS. Um, so I'm working on something called Candid behind the scenes right now. Um, for sure, we'll show you guys when it's, you know, a beta is ready to go. And it is 100% for creators monetization, you know, of their content. But I do want to get my own YouTube going. I've actually got uh, my first ever editor I just hired. So I'm, I'm uh, growing up, I guess, like you've been doing Matt, And uh, we'll be looking forward cool. to putting out some videos that just have a little more polish with the with the, the content and the way it's produced. Um, I've got a, my first one coming up soon on the apartment renovation I did in Ukraine. And whether that apartment is even still in existence or not, given that the war is happening right now. So <laughs> stay tuned. Right. So uh, is it going to be kind of like a vlog style? Yeah. I mean, if you, my YouTube channel has been there since like 07. And <laughs> it's a mess because it's me doing really spotty early videos about product launches, uh, Tom's kind of area. Um, and then early podcast, but it was audio only, no video, just me dumping the audio track onto the, onto the YouTube stream. Um, then there's some travel stuff of me just walking and talking to my camera, my phone, whatever. 
so it's right. just there's no continuity there's no sense of theme and yes mm -hmm. so i want to basically get higher quality vlogging going to sort of translate what i already know for my content that's worked in written content into video content i can tell you put a lot of effort into your blog post so uh, uh some yeah. of them if you put that yeah. if you kind of translate that same story into YouTube videos, I think that would actually be yeah, great. I hope and you know get the visuals to go with it. So that's why I need the editor. Yeah, I you know I really consider doing that when I want to get out to YouTube, but I realize that it's so hard to just talk to the camera by yourself and just be like do your own thing and like you just got to produce the whole thing yourself. Even though I love it and it's a great creative process, it just like I'd want to take so much time to do it because I'm going to be kind of like a perfectionist yeah. doing that, right? So I think it is a uh, uh, challenging. Uh, road plus you know youtube anything you do on youtube is like gonna take you like two years mm -hmm. you know by the time you really build that audience that's watching that content right yeah and uh i'm looking forward to i've got 20 videos yeah. lined up and i suspect that's probably 20 months worth of work you know over that time frame so right, yeah. right. tom what's going on matt tell tell the audience a bit about you and who you are yeah you know it's funny because yara was talking about the digital nomad lifestyle i did that for a bit before that i was in the army uh so i spent about five years commissioned but then when I got out, I decided, hey, I'm going to go travel around the world and start a blog. So that was back in 2013. So 2013, 14, I was like traveling around the world, blogging, podcasting, trying to figure all that out. Got that going well enough where I didn't have to get a real job when I got back to the States and then started a publishing company. And then most recently, um, co-founded InfoStack, where we do discount deals. I know you'll love that, Matt. And, um, uh -huh. you know, so a lot of just b bundles of information products um, and yeah, it's kind of, it's funny just talking about content creation. Like, I love it. It's like one of my favorite things. I just find like I don't have time for it because writing blogs used to take me hours or days, like an absurd amount of time. It was definitely like looking back, it was like definitely worth the effort. You know, it's, I still get traffic to a lot of those blog posts. I'm still, I still can refer them to people who need help with certain things. But the idea of sitting down to write a blog post now at this point in my life, I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. So I am very keen on, YouTube, but then again, have the same concerns. I'm like, I need to get into editing. I need to get all this stuff built around it. I'm a little scared of that. And then the sure. idea of podcasting too, it's even that. It's like sitting down to do a podcast. I'm like, do I have time anymore for this? It's like, I really want to get into it though. So this is why, this is my, this is my, my foray back into it. I feel like t dipping my right. toes with this. Cause you, you, you have all the pressure on this, Matt. I, you got You have to do all the editing. I don't have to. So this is perfect. Yeah. Well, it's funny is like we figured out a lot of processes and systems to make this easy, right? Our goal with the show when we started it was that we just show up and just hit record. Right. And yeah. the, the big bottleneck that I wasn't able to outsource was like finding these stories. Right. And to be able to like figure out what we're going to talk about. So now we have Jesse, who's the new producer, who's going to help us to find these stories. And we've discussed before we recorded how, you know, there's certain, there's certain things that we want to talk about. We can just kind of like get into those, that sort of stuff. But in terms of the editing and the publishing and all, all that kind of stuff, uh, you're going to see, uh, Tom, over the next few weeks, kind of how we go through the process and maybe, uh, you know, see, it's, I think we figured it out to make it somewhat easy. Yeah, I yeah, think for a lot good. of content creators too, it's one of the things that scares them, right? I, I must be, I would think, is the the, especially because of how well produced everything is today. I look at it, mm -hmm. I'm like, if I had started this ten years ago, if I had started YouTube the same time I started podcasting or blogging, then maybe I'd, I'd already have that progress made. But now I'm like, oh man, the the production value is so high in all these things. So yeah, I'm excited to explore it and just see how it could be done well.
Well, everyone always starts off with low production, right? And then once you start right. making some real money, then you kind of up the production, right? Right now we're pretty low production, right? We're three guys in separate places, <laughs> you know, doing doing our thing. But honestly, but, this uh, is, I've seen this that we is are unusual, yeah. though. Like I think most of the podcasts I watch on YouTube are this. Like you, you already are equivalent to All In or you know some of the other ones out there. So I don't think that's an issue. Right. It's whether we say interesting things no pressure guys that you know we got to <laughs> be entertaining and smart that's all <laughs> yeah well speaking of interesting things uh let's get into our first story so first story up was uh andrew schultz he's a comedian who got very popular on youtube for making these really um they're like i don't know how to explain it um they were obviously funny videos. I think originally he was posting his stand-up comedy that he was doing on YouTube. It was funny, and that started going viral. But he would make these videos that were very punchy and like about a topic. So kind of like John Oliver that would do these kind of like exposés and the things and kind of making jokes throughout it. So he would script out this, you know, very funny, you know, thing about a topic. And that style of that show, which really picked up steam on his main channel, the Andrew Schultz YouTube channel, uh, he ended up getting a Netflix deal. And so he has a uh, Netflix show. It's called um, uh, Schultz Saves America. Right, it was a. It's on Netflix, and so that whole style, that show, is basically what his YouTube channel was. If you watch, if you ever want to watch that, right? It's really well done, really well scripted. Sometimes he does these really short versions of that at the beginning of his podcast, the Flagrant Podcast. Anyways, so that really helped him like pick up a lot of steam on YouTube over the last few years. This is, I think, pre-COVID. And uh, then he started his podcast, uh, Flagrant Two. I don't know why it's ever called Flagrant Two. Now it's just called Flagrant. I guess they got rid of their their Patreon. I don't even know. But um, he posted uh, not too long ago that he has a comedy special uh, that was called The Infamous Tour. I actually went to this uh, the shows in Vancouver, and uh, and he was going to sell this to a broadcaster, which I assume was Netflix, or they had already bought it. I think that was the story. They had already bought it, and then some of the jokes were maybe more edgy or whatever. So he posted this video talking about kind of what, what what's happening and that the network was worried about the backlash from some of these jokes and they wanted him to edit it. And so then he decided that he would buy it back. I assume it cost him millions of dollars to buy it back. Then he posted this on his, uh, on his Twitter, on his Instagram and so on, basically saying he's bought it back and now he's asking people to go to Moment House to pre-order the special and it's 20 bucks to be able to watch this special on Moment House. So the reason why I think this is interesting is that had he paid millions of dollars, right? I think he got several million dollars for his show on Netflix. I think he actually talked about the number. I want to say it was like five to 10 million, something like that. So, and I remember, um, what's his name? Uh, Dave Chappelle. He got several million for his comedy special, right? So let's just say there's going to be like probably I'm just wild guess $2 million, right? It's a big gamble, right? When you have guaranteed $2 million from Netflix, right? The distribution, Netflix, you know, brings some credibility. And again, I'm only assuming that this deal is with Netflix because this previous show is on Netflix. To then take the show and say, I'm just going to sell it myself and maybe make over $2 million, right? 
I just think it's a really ballsy move. I actually like it, and I really hope it's successful because it's going to really disrupt the industry if that works, if what he's doing is going to work. And he must know his number. He has good amount of subscribers. He sold out his, you know, his comedy tour or whatever. And even like just diving into Moment House, it appears what it is, is kind of like you are renting. or Sorry, the event takes place. Like everyone's going to watch at the same time here on July 17th at 6 o'clock, right? And then you get the replay available for 14 days in case you can't make it to the date. So it's like, you know, like in our world, it's like pre-selling a webinar, right, for a price. It all takes place at one time. Then you have access to the replay for 14 days. It's an interesting model. Just looking at this as like selling entertainment, right? But in our world, we could sell a course or a, a day event or whatever it is, right? I, I think the cachet of having a Netflix show as a comedian is huge. So to give that up, is pretty ballsy straight away. Um, we don't know the numbers, so you know, you're guessing two million. We don't know financially how bad this is for him. We don't know how big his database is for selling it himself, so we don't know what he's potentially gonna earn. Well, I, I don't think he does like email marketing type stuff, right? You could just look at his followers okay. on Instagram. Well, even worse than really, Twitter, right? Like stuff yeah, like he's that. Rely on social or, or you know, maybe word of mouth, but. Yeah, here he's got 400,000 on Twitter. And then, yeah, and then his YouTube channel's got a few yeah. hundred thousand. So I, I doubt they, right. he'll recoup. Uh, who knows? Long story short, we don't know the numbers. We don't know how bad or how good this is for him. I, I do think, and, and this is something I've really been uh, surprised about with comedians for a long time, they get away with saying ridiculous things that would if anyone else would say them they'd be canceled and some comedians do get canceled because they you know tweet right. out something or say something but there's a lot like hey just real quick i, I just want to say two million followers on on okay. instagram uh, so that uh yeah that could mean something so Anyways. yeah but like yeah, I, I understand why netflix probably you know now things are getting more you know conservative or maybe less conservative not sure what you want to put it politics versus what you say um and because of that mm -hmm. Yeah, they have to edit now it sounds like this guy honestly i don't know him but he sounds like he's he's really wants to control his message and feels like his creativity is probably being uh hindered by them editing out certain things he doesn't agree with it he's got the power to buy it back so fair enough um i do think as a bigger discussion maybe not for our podcast though is you know what you can and can't say on media and the risk of getting cancelled you know, versus ownership of your content as well. If you're sharing it on an external platform, like, I don't know, but I would be stoked to get a Netflix deal and I'd probably be willing, maybe I'm, I'm more of a sellout than, than Andrew Schultz is, but I'd be willing mm -hmm. to uh, go through whatever hoops they need me to go through to make it compatible for their platform. They own it. I'm fine with that because man, I'm then forever, mm -hmm as featured on Netflix. And I know going back to what you're talking about from our world, the power of that brand being associated with my name, I will forever be a person who had a show on Netflix. Like I will forever be a published author. Right. But he already has, he already has a show oh, on so Netflix. He's, he's canceling the second one then. Yeah. It's like he's audience, that, he's... audience jacking, right? Like I think it's, it's brilliant. I think, you know, and I think, I think the thing is I'm curious about the numbers, but it's $15 for, for the show, right? For this infamous show. So how many does he, I mean, 200,000, do you think he get 200,000 customers from it? I think so. That's 3 million right so. there. So like, yeah. I, I, to that's me, 10% like, of his Instagram following. Right. And maybe that's yeah. high for the average Instagram following, but I, because he has the Netflix show, he has the brand I don't think it is. already there. 
Does he not? I thought he has the Netflix show. Well, yeah, he has a Netflix show. It's already there. Right. Right. But yeah, if you go to his, I'm just thinking like how much you can convert from either yeah. like a swipe up on a story, posting on his on his Instagram. Plus, he has his YouTube channel, which is getting you know he could constantly promote that as it's uh, as it's happening. Right. So they have almost a million subscribers on YouTube. Seven hundred seventy. Right. I don't know, guys. Sorry. I think we're, I think we're guessing. We're never going to know, you know, up or down. You know, how many? What's the deal on Netflix? How many views does he get on Netflix versus what he can generate? Where does he get more people to his I live? I think Netflix shows, doesn't tell you, right? Anymore. Like, there's, there's too many things to control yeah. here. So, but it would be interesting too, actually, if people are buying through Moment House. I bet you he gets everybody's email address, probably for the first time, right? And we all know the power of email marketing. But you have to say so, though. If he does, I'm just going to say that yeah. a lot of mainstream creators do not understand email marketing and do not tap into it. That's 100%. Yeah. But had he, or if <laughs> yeah. he does, even if he made a million dollars in sales, but then he got all those email addresses and then he starts selling the merch, his next show, tickets, yeah, whatever, right? He basically gets access to the contact. Because I know um, CK Lewis is like that. Right, he's been selling his own shows, um, or tickets. Sorry, his own tickets through his own website versus using a third party or something. I think he mm -hmm. does something like that, or sells. His own, yeah. You know, I, and so I know he has a big email list, and that's why he's been so successful. Right. So maybe he's taken a you know something from that playbook. So speaking on uh, Andrew Schultz, uh, he had uh, Logan Paul on his podcast on the Flagrant Podcast. And Logan Paul's been kind of hinting at this a lot, uh, but he's kind of basically said it really directly on the show that Floyd Mayweather had never paid him for the fight that they had, which is interesting because I didn't realize that Floyd was the one kind of controlling the whole exhibition and he was the one responsible to pay everybody. So, I, you know, I imagine they were both kind of working with a third party who would then kind of pay them out, right? So what's interesting about this one is that they were talking about if you did try to, if Logan Paul tries to take Floyd to court, that that probably it's going to cost him so much fighting in court that it's going to be like not worth it anyways, right? But the amount of publicity that Logan Paul is going to get throughout that process and how it's making Floyd look bad, I think, right? That is kind of making him seem like, you know, he's not a fair business person. Let's just say that. Right, that that part's interesting, but also that you know, I guess Logan Paul didn't really look at the fine print of the contract. There's something about it within the contract that Floyd seems to think that he does not need to pay Logan Paul. I think that's my understanding of kind of hearing about the story. So there's this whole like contract law dispute, you know, which is just kind of falls into business in, in general, just knowing kind of what's going on there. But maybe he was so excited just to be able to fight Floyd and the kind of the publicity he would get from that, that he never really kind of looked into it that much. But I still think that like he got so much publicity from being able to do that fight that even if he doesn't get paid, he still comes out a winner, right? Of course he wants his money, but you know, I just think that's interesting. I don't buy this at all. <laughs> I think it is... I think oh, really? it's just the continuation of the you know the, the hype that two fighters will always do to keep the attention on them. No I, I way. Think, do you think it's leading to another fight? another fight? If not, at least, you know, it is a fight in itself. You know, we're talking about it here. Um, it's a big amount of money. Like I was just doing a bit of research into this too. This, this article, I'll, I'll share it with you guys, but if it's to believed, 
um, he earned around 700 million pounds in total for the fight with Paul. If, if, and that's a lot of money. So I can't imagine that no matter how much free publicity um, Paul's getting from this, Logan Paul, there's no way even 10% of whatever the takings are, it could be 70 million, could be 7 million. It's no small amount of money. So I think it's going to come through. I mean, who knows back and forth what's really going on. But I think, A, this is a publicity stunt that's continuing. B, I think he's going to get his money. Um, I don't think it's $700 million in total that they split. I'm sure there's a lot of other people taking a cut out of that money. Um, but I don't think he's going to get his money. I think he will. No we should, should uh, follow-up on this one for, for part two, Matt. I think he's going to get it. Um, because I, I... Yeah, I will. I, I just going to... I can't imagine... Um, even if he gets it through courts... It's pretty clear he did something. He should get paid, you know? Right. Well, here but, it says... Yeah, but Mayweather is pretty savvy. And I think when I listen to that YouTube interview where he's talking, he's like, well, uh, you know, the contract and, and being in, in the boxing realm, he basically it sounded like effectively he had earmarked out certain expenses. And I'm sure Mayweather, being a great businessman, um, was able to funnel money into expenses that he, he kind of controlled. So you think he just broke even, So right? I bet it's probably... Like the, f- <laughs> oh well, I mean maybe maybe on paper yeah. he did. What I'm saying is he prepaid him. I'm, I'm I don't know. I mean allegedly, but like um he's he's pretty savvy that way. And I bet that I also don't see Mayweather as being the kind of person to make a mistake on those kind of contracts. Like if he's gonna if he's gonna if he's gonna funnel the money into these things, I I'll be surprised if anything happens with the court case. You know what I mean? Like I bet he's got it pretty locked down tight. So again, I'm I'm kind of with you, Yarrow. Yes, yes and no on it because like I think. I, it'll be. It, it seems like more of a publicity stunt. Like I'm sure I would imagine Mayweather's contract law is like on point when it comes to these kind of events because his gates for what Pacquiao was like a half um, half a billion dollars. McGregor was like half a half a billion. Um, he knows how to run these these promotions and how how to make a lot of money from them. So I don't know. Just my two cents. Yeah, I think that uh, the contract is probably the way it is. Is just the way it is, and probably Logan never, I don't know, maybe didn't look into it or whatever. But uh, I highly doubt because he said before that they've been. This has been an ongoing issue. I mean, this fight was so long ago, and he told him a long time ago, "Hey, if you don't pay me, basically, he's gonna like go public with a story." And I think this makes Floyd look really bad. But maybe Floyd wants to be the bad guy, right? Because the next time he has a fight, you want to see him get his ass kicked. Right, so you're right now. Actually, you're now you're pointing this out. It seems like everything that the Paul brothers do is always just to create more drama and get more people talking about them. Because now, yes, we're talking about this. A lot of people are talking about this because it's very interesting. You know, to, it's basically reminding everybody that Logan Paul fought Floyd. Right, it's keeping that story going. Right, and uh, and yeah, they are basically still battling. It would be very interesting if they fought again over this, where he's like, "Hey, fine, you want to get paid." Let's do another one, and I'm going to knock yeah. you out, right? That that could be, you know, I don't know, but I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Uh, That's I just want to say way. that I'm not getting paid to be on this podcast, so uh, uh, there, there might be some controversy there as well. So. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what the, we're we're going to get not battled? paying me anything, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hey, it says here that uh, that he was supposed to get paid five million dollars. That was the right number. Um, so it's weird too, that if Floyd's got a lot of money, you know, why would he jip him for $5 million? 
you know yes yeah, the whole thing is kind of weird because he's a businessman <laughs> he he and he's in the he's in he's in the shadiest sport in 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 the, in the world in the universe everybody knows it right that boxing is like is bar none like um has probably the most corruption of any sport i mean that's that's maybe arguable. really maybe the oh yeah like, i didn't know that consistently the most corrupt um so i think i think mayweather's just a a a, a good good businessman in the realm that he is in and maybe he's yeah. And and what what Logan was alluding to or alleging was that he had fleeced others, and that he had or done this with others, and so this yeah. isn't the first time. I thought that was kind of interesting. I think though mm. Mayweather could probably care less, and again, I think he understands the nature, which is kind of come back to what Yara was saying. Um, any news is good news, and or any any press mm, yeah. is good press. Like even if it's negative, even if he's the bad guy, it's like it's money for him. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, in, yeah. At the end of the day, and it was funny because he's like, "Oh, Mayweather's broke." It's like I'm sure on paper he is broke. You know, because if he's smart, he's funneled all his money into things so he doesn't have to pay taxes on any of this stuff. Like, good right. on him. So he's, he's, he's broke on paper, but he's obviously yeah. not, you know? I, I heard Logan right, right. On, the, on his podcast talking about his desire to still win a fight. Like, I don't think he's actually won one. It's all been losses or draws. Uh, I'm, I'm not up to date with yeah. it. But uh, and he, then he talked about how when he was on WrestleMania, he made more money. It was a lot safer um he enjoyed it you know just as More much fun. he just signed he just signed a deal with with uh which with doesn't WWE. surprise me but he was like <laughs> so it's called that wwe, WWE yeah, yeah. <laughs> WWE, world worldwide life federation yeah he's gonna save the animals <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah 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 that's right um, but yeah he he talked about there is something about one to get that win i, I wouldn't be surprised i mean mm. god we can we can be such um looking for for cons uh, conspiracies here but he went all eight rounds fighting, you know, the, the heavyweight, most famous champion boxer ever. And this guy yeah. doesn't even come from boxing. If that was legitimate, like there wasn't some sort of WWE style setup <laughs> to the fight, then back of his mind, he must be thinking, well, okay, I can surely actually win some of these boxing matches. Maybe I can actually, you know, even retire with a winning mm -hmm. record at least before I move on to WWE or something like that. But uh, as was being said to him, I can't remember who it was um, uh, talking to him. I think it might have been Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank saying how, mm. you know, you're going to get brain damage. It's a high risk, uh, high reward sort of sport. So is it worth it? You know, you're going to you're going to lose your potential to continue to live a normal life after that. But um, right. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to fight either of you guys. Just to be clear, I'm happy to not get to get paid. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pacifist. So. What if it was for five million dollars? Five million. I Sign me up. I'll fight anybody. Uh, I'll fight both of you at once for five million dollars. <laughs> I'll fight Logan Paul and Mayweather at the same time. Well, <laughs> yeah. you just gonna fall over as soon as you get hit. <laughs> That's what I, <laughs> oh no, man! I'll, I'll yeah. be in it to win it. I'll train. I'll record the whole thing. That'll be my, my my foray into the YouTube. It would be my behind the scenes training camp yeah. for that. I would absolutely yeah. do that. I think that Tom would be funny was in the too. military. Yeah. yeah, I well, I boxed in college too, so I I mean I guess I have a little little yeah. bit of experience, but like I would absolutely love to do it. I, I think this stuff is hilarious. Like I was talking to you about this last week, Matt. Like um, I, I didn't mention this, but this Happy Punch promotion. So I got this on my screen, but this was started like a year ago, I think, or maybe codified like this year. But it's all about these content creators. It's like a promotion company for content creators um, for boxing, and I think it's it reminds me of like remember the celebrity boxing matches like ten twenty yeah. years ago. You get like I don't know Mickey Rourke or whatever and whoever and it was like oh no I so don't know that yeah there was it was this big thing for like I think in the eighties yeah. and early nineties or something like that oh. 
You know, well, yeah, I know because of Robot Chicken. Because you know Robot Chicken, yeah. like a <laughs> yeah. sort of clay animation show, and they do like their own fake yep. celebrity death matches. So it's based yeah. on that, right? There's, <laughs> there's a ton of money in this. Like even like just mm. like and because these people have followings, like to so that's why it's like I want I want to know who who would who would you fight, Matt? Like a marketing hey. person? Oh. Yeah, it has to be somebody in our space. <laughs> oh man, I'd fight Tony Robbins. <laughs> Tony Robbins, interesting. <laughs> I think like I know Russell Brunson will probably kick a lot of ass because he's been wrestling for a long he's a time. He's a wrestler. It's true. Yeah, I mean, I need somebody scrawny. I think I would probably go with like Brendan Burchard. <laughs> he's pretty small. <laughs> yeah, I could take Brendan Burchard. <laughs> <laughs> Yaro, who's who's your matchup? Uh, you know, it's funny. I think about the answer to this question, and throughout my career as an internet marketer, people have come along. Y- Yannick Silver. What, Yannick? Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe not Yannick. What... Yannick. Yeah. No. That, no yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys have a kind of the same name. I'm going to beat him up because he has a YS and I'm a YS too. But (laughs) Uh, plus, he's huge. I don't know. Stand a chance. He's pretty. Is he? Yeah, I guess he's kind of big. Um, Yeah, yeah. But you know, there's always been like someone who's come along and done what you did better. Like I remember, you know, Mm. Pat Flynn comes along and he he starts blogging and podcasting and has a bigger. And then like, I don't want to fight Lewis Howes because he's also huge. But Lewis comes along and boom, takes takes off with the podcast. You know, so you're going with Pat Flynn. I mean, eh? Pat Flynn's pretty small, so I I I kind of worry though because you know what actually pretty fit though he does train a lot. But yeah, sorry. You know who I would fight would be Ty Lopez because I was doing I was doing my social media director training, teaching people how to start a career in social media, and it wasn't until Ty Lopez did his thing which was like many years later that all of a sudden it flooded the market with all these people teaching you how to right. start your agency i had been doing this for like five or six years at this point when he started that and he made it like very popularized right i still remember the day that it launched i was i was actually at jeff walker's uh launch con i think it was with you tom yeah yeah and that's then right that's people we were at. texting me it was in october i remember this and then people were texting me they're like did you see what ty lopez launched? like i had like multiple people messaging me this and then i looked at it and i was like oh shit <laughs> and then like you know i was like now now it's like an open market yeah. and it kind of killed my my vibe for like before it was like a unique offering so that's that I great because you, you got some beef and that's what sells that's what a fight need. so that's great yeah we need to we yeah, need to yeah. everybody needs to start dming ty lopez right now yeah. saying that, that Matt wants to fight him. I will I will fight but I but he is fucking excuse my language but he is jacked so I'm pretty <laughs> sure but he's short right he's short so I think if I if I have like six months to train then yeah I'll uh, train you I'll be your I, trainer I, yeah then I'll I come out we'll do a chance. whole camp since we're um, yeah, yeah, sharing yeah. people who kind of jumped yeah. in our in our space I own the domain name twohourworkday.com so you can have a guest who came Ooh. out with a certain book and stole my thunder before I. Oh, you mean you you had it you had, had it, before? it before the four hour work week. So oh, I remember like going, shit. yeah, this is going to be a digital nomad, you know, travel, perfect two hours a day running your business. And then this book comes out, four hour work mm. week, and I'm like, and of course it took off as we all know. Um, yeah, oh, damn. Tim, this this what is it? The seven seven minute was it seven minute abs? And it's like. 70 second yeah, abs right. or something like something that. Less. Everybody's always trying yeah, to Although up. mine was <laughs> yeah. actually more. It was two hours a day. He was four hours a week. So technically his was less hours. Yeah. But it's um, true. But yeah. It, 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 it's funny yeah. when someone comes out and actually does so much better. I shouldn't say it's funny. It's a little, it's soul crushing sometimes because you're like, wow, I do feel like I could have taught or certainly I'm capable of teaching the same thing. Uh, but they just did better marketing. You know, they had better marketing the other day. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And also partnerships, connections. That's all better marketing, right? Right, yeah. that sort of thing. 
Well, yeah. I mean, if you put, I mean, it's, uh, you you put a book marketing. and you put, it's like, you know, the, the, the hood spot, like, like Tim was strategic going to conferences mm -hmm. to meet bloggers, knowing that he was going to get them all right. to talk about his book. Uh, it was, it's like a big oh, rollout yeah, yeah. plan from the very beginning. And uh, don't get me wrong. I love that's him. right. Yeah. He did a so, lot of, yeah, yeah he was, he's very smart yeah. and he's also, uh, I heard. he's a previous heard wrestler like... too. So I'm not going to fight with him either. You know, <laughs> well, he also, I and, and I ass, think yeah. according to his book, he was like, uh, he in Thailand or something like that. Didn't he do some like yeah, professional yeah. Thai yeah. fights or something Thai like that in one? Think... So he'd be. Yeah. He'd be like a multidisciplinary ninja kind of guy, so I don't think I would have a go. And he was a, he was a bouncer great, once too, so yeah, no. <laughs> Yara versus Tim, Matt versus... You know what we could do? Like this, what we'll do is we'll just try to get like Tim Ferriss and Ty Lopez. Just, like, yes. We'll make them start beef with each other. We'll just start rumors that they're talking shit about each other. So they fight uh, each other. And then they both get their ass kicks, and yeah, we, we get the money. I mean, as, as long as we get the as long as we we get the yeah, pay game, we, we, we have the ticket, uh, yeah, we, we, get, we, we get the Floyd, Floyd yeah, yeah, yeah. the contract, <laughs> so we get the money out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We'll go figure Somewhere. out what was in that contract. <laughs> we'll find print, and uh, Matt and Yarrow and Tom get all the money from your fight. <laughs> tick box. <laughs> that's right. If you don't tick this box, then all your money goes to these guys. <laughs> yeah. I think, but just uh, to, yeah. to close it out, though, I will say that I think yeah. something like that is is an underrated opportunity. If anybody would, st I just I'm excited to explore it. So start DMing Tim to fight Yaro, and, and uh, let's see what happens. Well, you know, you know how you know conferences, right? They get these yeah. guest speakers, celebrities, right? Imagine you go to like the next like 10x conference, but it's Ty Lopez versus uh, Tim Ferriss. That's right. right. People would go wild, right? So I think you're right. I think if we set up a fight. At one of these conferences, I think a lot of people would like to see Ty get beat up too. It's kind of sad to say, but yeah, it's probably he's the villain. Well, that's why you always need yeah. the bad guy. You need the villain. yeah, the villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, exactly. But, but the other one too would be like Dan Locke. Dan Locke would yeah, kick some ass too. Another right? potential villain. Oh, that would be great. I think uh, that, like yeah. you just said before, though, Matt, or was you, Tom? This is the thing. Like, there's an agency now that's specializing in pulling creators, not internet marketing so much as mainstream yeah. YouTubers, right? And and uh, actually setting up fights and and it's like an income stream it's a new income stream for a creator get into a fight with another creator right right that'd be fun i feel like i would really do it if i was like yeah i'm in the opportunity yeah and the thing is it looks like you know it doesn't have to be pro fight like the light gloves or whatever you could do probably the headgear route i think i mean whatever it seems like they've done it a couple different ways in the last few years so mm -hmm. like i'm sure there's a lot of opportunities and just get in the ring once it's like yeah you know i think there's a lot there's a lot of potential here i think we need to keep exploring this what I would be interested in is being able to just train for like three to six months. Yeah, to me, sure. I, I would love that. Like you get an, an, a big payday. So you're like, could just take six months to just train and then do the fight, whatever, you know, I, I played I tennis cool. in, in, in university. I'm not getting into a boxing. I'll do a celebrity tennis match though. No problem. <laughs> oh, Ooh. <laughs> so speaking of fights and battles, uh, a lot of people want to know what happened to Jesse from the Nelk boys. So I know you guys are not huge fans of Nelk Boys. Um, I've been watching Nelk Boys pretty much since they started. I think they had like 3,000 subscribers when I started watching them. Back in the day, this is maybe like six or seven years ago, um, pranks were really big on YouTube. I remember if you know like um, Vitaly, there was like Simple Pickup, there was Lof. I love Lof. Um, a lot of these guys doing these pranks. Um, and... These guys were Canadian. Nelk boys were Canadian guys. And I noticed that they were like in Ontario doing stuff. And, you know, I was watching their silly pranks. They were doing a lot of like pretending to be an employee at Walmart, pretending to be an employee at Starbucks. And they would find some of their fans, would give them their uniforms so that way they can go there and pull off some pranks. And it was originally started with three guys, but then one of the guys left very early on. 
Um, he's now back as one of the one of the other characters. But anyways, it was basically um, uh, MTV Jesse and Kyle Forgard. Okay, and they continue to grow their channel, uh, you know, to millions of subscribers. I think they were at maybe five million subscribers, four million. And then they brought Steve Will Do It in, and I think Steve Will Do It is now a partner in this in Nelk Boys or Full Send, whatever you want to call it. And I was noticing as Steve got more involved that I noticed him sort of not I don't know I don't know what the word is, like pushing out or or kind of maybe not being as polite to or not as loving towards Jesse. And and I remember observing it while watching their videos. That thinking that I used to think that Steve was kind of a, an a-hole, you know? And I was kind of noticing these just subtle little cues within their videos, which most people wouldn't notice. I'm very observant to people's behaviors and facial expressions or whatever. And I was noticing this. And then all of a sudden, you start noticing that Jesse stopped showing up in the videos. And then all of a sudden, they kind of mentioned that he left because um, they were doing a lot of partying and drinking, and he wanted to quit drinking. So he wanted to go do his own thing. So they said, okay, he's no longer part of the you know, on-camera crew, but he was managing all their merch stuff. So he was doing all the design for, um, for their clothing and their drops. That was how the main way they were making money before was through their, their full-send clothing um, drops that we do every, every three months or so. And then not too long ago, just like a couple of weeks ago, oh, sorry, sorry, so back up. And then last year, Jesse took over, they had another YouTube channel that was just called youtube.com slash full send. And Jesse started his own show there, which was, you know, not connected to the Nelk Boy stuff, but it was on the full send channel, which full send is kind of their brand name they use. And he was doing the show, he called the show Shithole. It was weird. And, um, I think it's a really weird name, actually. But then he's doing like kind of like skits, his own version of comedy, which he has a very loyal following too. You look at the comments on his videos, people love it, right? Um, I think it's okay. It's good. I, I actually really admire his creativity and that sort of thing. Um, so that was going on. And everyone's always questioning what happened to Jesse from the Nelk Boys. You see a lot of people asking this. They've mentioned it on the Full Send podcast, how they want to get Jesse on the podcast one day to kind of talk about it, whatever. They have never really, they've never talked any shit about each other, right? So, you know, it appears like, you know, they just kind of were going their separate ways. But the thing is that I think Jesse owns a large portion of the, the Full Send brand and the, the business and so on. And the Nelk boys have gone on to uh, launch their own um, NFT. It's called MetaCard. They launched um, their own uh, hard seltzer called Happy Dad. And now they just launched supplements.co, which is their supplement brand, right? So they're launching all these other businesses, doing all these other things. And Jesse seems not involved in that stuff. So just a few weeks ago, the, the Full Sand channel got renamed to Sunday. Just Sunday. And that got more people leaving comments and questioning, why is this channel not called Full Send anymore? So I have a prediction. I think that Jesse and Kyle are probably going through court proceedings right now. That's why they're not talking about it. Both of them are just not mentioning anything about it and, and to the point that it's weird. A lot of people are saying, hey, the fans deserve to know what's going on here, you know, what happened, right? So that's what I think. Um, it, you know, it's just interesting to see that, you know, you start a channel, it blows up. 
this happens a lot. I hear a lot of YouTubers talking about this where they can't keep up the lifestyle of what it takes to continue making content, right? Um, I hear this all aspects. I was just listening to an interview with Mr. Beast's manager and they were talking about how, how much longer can Mr. Beast continue doing what he's doing, right? They're thinking maybe five to seven more years, right? Um, I know Graham Stephan was talking about this as well, where he was like, he doesn't necessarily want to keep making, you know, um, personal finance videos for the rest of his life, right? So you get pigeonholed into this kind of community, right? So the Nelk boys are very much partying, drinking. Now they're really being into gambling. They're obviously got sponsorship with a company called Stake and they're promoting the crap out of it. I'm sure they're making millions of dollars promoting online gambling, right? So just interesting um, kind of seeing that dynamic and kind of like the kind of, the kind of content you create creates your lifestyle, right? And then if you, you know, if, if you choose to change your lifestyle at some point, um, it could be very detrimental. So, well, I think the, the concept the idea on the content side is pretty interesting. That last point you made, which is this idea of just like burnout that happens almost, or, or even uh, burnout might be one piece of it. The other might just be like the useful lifespan of content and almost the fleeting mm. nature of content, how disposable it is, you know, like I, we were just talking about how excited we are for, like about creating content. And I, I am still, so I say that at the same time, recognizing that like anything I put out there, I think when I first started, I thought, oh, this will last forever. But now I kind of see it slightly differently. I'm like, so much of this stuff is so disposable, at least to the audience. Like if I just stop posting anything, people would forget about me in like a few months or you know what I mean? That, that would be that and it would be fine. Like it, it's, I'm not, I'm not complaining. It's just the reality of the situation because there's always mm. so much new content. Um, and it's just a very fascinating topic. It's like, where do you go? Once you're, once you're in that space and you're creating, because there's a lot of content creators who have kind of come and gone, gotten very big followings and just kind of have shut down, don't do it anymore. I think that is particularly fascinating because I don't know a ton about the Nelk boys and, and necessarily what's going on with them. Well, the Nelk boys also, uh, like Kyle, they didn't want to do, I guess, as much pranks. So they're trying to figure out what they're going to do later if they get sick of doing it. They started the Full Sound podcast. When you have a podcast interview show, like, you know, there's also H3H3. He started mm -hmm. his podcast thing. Right. There's a lot of people who go the podcast route, even like Graham Stephan started the, co the ice coffee hour um, and so on. So it's like that's one way they're branching out. They're also kind of starting these businesses. I predict the Nelk boys are going to sell Happy Dad. I'm guessing for a billion dollars within five years. That's been my prediction from the beginning. That's why they never called it Full Send Seltzer because Full Send is part of their brand. Happy Dad is just like a random name. Right. It's like, what is that? Right. So. They're just, you know, building out these businesses they can later sell. But, like, we kind of talked about this on the last episode, Yara and I, about how when you're kind of sharing your ongoing story, you know, like, if, let's say you're vlogging, you'll end up going out doing cool things because you need to as part of your content. So it can actually, like, for the right kind of, you know, content yeah. creation, it can actually help, like, create a great lifestyle for you. Right. I was listening to Colin and Samir the other day and they, they were talking about the life cycle of a creator and how much like celebrity there is a, a limelight you get to enjoy. You know, it's a growth curve and then that curve inevitably flows downward. Um, it could be by choice. You, you just stop producing yourself. Um, you take a break. Uh, I think we've seen this with everyone. Casey Neistat is a, maybe a, a recent example, you know, left and wouldn't leave, but stopped and came back. Um, Amber Chamberlain, I hear a lot about, not actually personally followed her career, but I heard that she was 
taking a break. Uh, I think back to one of the very first YouTube celebrities, Jenna Marbles. I, I remember her. I don't know if you guys think back to a long time ago. She had a little puppy dog or something that she would talk to and do this voice and thing like that. And, you know, she was huge, huge audience. You know, Ray, Ray William Johnson from like Equals a, 3. He used, oh, yeah, he used to like uh, do viral video reviews and jokes and stuff. And he was huge. He was like the biggest YouTuber at one point. And then he just stopped because he got sick yeah. of it. And that's that's the point. I think there's there's two things here. There's your career longevity. It's inevitable. I mean, I went through this too. I, I had my blog go through a rocket ship phase and then a sort of a stagnant hibernating phase where you're still getting results, but you're no longer growing like crazy to then a sort of slow falling down, mostly because I moved on to kind of not discard my blog but to start another company in this case it was inbox done so th that business and that the traffic of the blog just slowly dropped so sometimes it's like that it's it's a choice um but like hopefully a lot of creators now know to do and we've you've mentioned many examples you need to start other vehicles that are not dependent on you showing up on a youtube video or writing a blog post so i was smart i had an email list from the early days so that i still have uh, and that, that doesn't disappear if i stop writing blog posts it does slowly disappear but it's way more stable um creating another company like you said starting a podcast creating brands that are not your personal brand all these things you can do sometimes though it's like just a continuation of you being creative in different ways in different platforms but i mean i think about who is the best example ever for longevity as a creator and i think most people would think about madonna probably is the, the best person who's ever reinvented herself. Really? I, I didn't, I don't know, about I don't know about that well, one. Who, okay. who else is, who has, has been, who has been <laughs> Madonna? Who, I don't who's know. Who's been more consistently able to maintain their status as an elite in their space. I think the, the Paul brothers, I would okay, say the, the Paul brothers, brothers famous in the eighties and the nineties and the two thousands, you know, it's like, no, they only just came along. Yeah. I'm talking about reinvention changing style you know still being considered like you know madonna came out and it was like michael jackson madonna and then there was britney spears but there was britney spears and madonna and then you know later on she just was always maybe in the last 10 15 years not so much but for her i can't think of any other maybe michael jackson's the only other person who has done the same unfortunately he died um and that's something that we all as a creator if you're the face you have to accept that so i think for the sake of your retirement and your ability to fund yourself long-term, you have to come up with either make a lot of money and then take that money and do something smart with it or spin off something else that makes a lot of money. Yeah. It's that's it. That's it too, though. When it, you know, cause the content creator concept there too, maybe slightly more relatable to a lot of people listening to, um, you know, you mentioned, well, YouTube, I think, well, PewDie, PewDiePie was the big one, right? I don't, I think he's still around. Right. I, don't, I don't know. I never watched yeah, it. Yeah, I just yeah, kind of yeah. knew of him. Um, but, um, yeah, it's like when you have the limelight, it's like you just got to milk it as much as you can at that, at that point in time, yeah. ride the like wave. this stuff doesn't last forever. Ride the wave. Yeah. And it's like, if you're, if you're able to, to milk it and get lots and lots of money, it's like good on you, do what you got to do, you know, or, or this maybe a strategic transition into products or a, a business or something else outside of yourself. But it's like that, that kind of smart you have to do something with it um, because it is, it does, it is fleeting or it'll burn you out or you're just going to get tired of it or just the trends change. And I also feel like almost now the trends change even faster mm -hmm. than before. It's almost like it's, well, it's more up. fragmented. The too. cycles are even shorter. Yeah. Yes. And more fragmented. Yeah. I think like if you, I was just going to say like Mr. Beast and Mr. Beast Burger, you know, uh, I'm, it, it's smart for him to take his brand while it's at the top of, you know, the food chain. Yep. 
and then spin off a burger joint. Now, if you launch Mr. Beast Burger without there ever being a Mr. Beast YouTube channel, how well does it go? Probably not as well. Does it still succeed as a business? You know, hard to say. Burgers are good, maybe it does, but it's a competitive space and, you know. Um, and I think that's a very typical characteristic for a creator where they also get tired of being the face. Maybe they're getting older, their energy is dropping. You know, I, I was hearing about, uh, I can't remember the name of the YouTuber, but there's a YouTuber who was doing well, but then started doing like um, what they call where you eat as much food as you can videos. I don't know what that trend is called, <laughs> gorging or something like that. You know, and he's... That sounds like a self-destructive Well, uh, this niche. is exactly what <laughs> happened. So he, he started this and unfortunately slash fortunately, as soon as he started doing gorging videos, it his traffic went through the roof. But now he was trapped to this technique of growing his audience. And of course, he got obese as a result. I, I can't, we got to find the, the name. I can't remember what it is. But, you know, he's in terrible physical shape now. But to keep feeding the beast, not Mr. Beast, but the, the beast that is the YouTube algorithm, he's got to keep eating a lot of food or give it up and, and try and find another angle. And that's hard when you've tasted millions of visitors or millions of views to a, a video. It's, a, it's like something out of a sequel to seven. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, you got the fame now. You got to keep yeah. going. <laughs> Yikes. I think there's a delay, Yarrow. That's why when we're talking, there's a little bit of delay. But yeah, it's important when you start a YouTube channel, I think it's not to rely on the ad revenue, but to use it as a vehicle to grow yeah. an audience for a, a business, but not rely on the content to be the business. I think that's the key for starting a YouTube channel. Yeah. All right, so have you guys heard about the kids YouTuber named Blippi? Yeah, I know you guys don't have kids, so you might not know Blippi. <laughs> Can't say I do. All right. I do have kids, but I, have, I don't know who Blippi is. Oh my God, dude, you gotta know Blippi. Okay, so Blippi is, I would say, the best kids YouTuber, okay? Because they got Ryan's World, right? And everybody knows Ryan's World. I'm sorry, hopefully they're not gonna watch this, but one of his parents is kind of annoying. All right, I'm not, that's all I'm going to say. People who watch Ryan's World know what I'm talking about. And so, and it's also not very educational. It's all just kind of, let's look at slime and let's play. And like, you know, kids like watching it. It's entertaining. That's fine. But they're not really learning a whole lot. When my son was growing up between the ages of, I'll say like two to five, love Blippi. And I also enjoyed watching Blippi because it's actually educational. And it's like, you could, you could bear watching it, right? And I remember when I was first seeing it, um, you know, I looked up who Blippi was because, you know, he kind of reminded me of myself. He's around my age, dressing up silly and kind of, you know, doing his thing with kids. And uh, I used to joke about how I could do that because I like playing with kids, but I'm not going to do that. Um, but apparently now Blippi, which his name is Stephen John, is now worth over $75 million, which is insane to me because I remember when I first started watching him with Marcus, he didn't appear to be that successful like he didn't appear to be like you know that one thing i know with um with kids youtube channels is they get pretty good ad revenue because they're very family friendly right uh, people who want to reach parents and so on there's a lot of advertisers wanting to reach those parents right but the other thing too is that kids will re-watch the same videos so he has videos that have a billion views or maybe not a billion but hundreds of millions of views right um, because kids are just re-watching the same things over and over again. I also see him reusing his videos and creating compilations and stuff like that, right? So he'll make one video and then there has other channels of compilations. There's a lot of Blippi videos. But what's interesting about Blippi is Stephen John, he used to be a digital marketer just like us. He used to be the kind of guy going to uh, TNC and doing that sort of thing. So he had a marketing agency. 
um, doing SEO or something like that. And then he started, you know, becoming blippy. And I so I can see why, Matt, you're thinking I think about cool. pulling out the old bow tie and hat and uh, <laughs> doing some kids' videos. <laughs> <laughs> I, it would be embarrassing. <laughs> Honestly, I think I could because I am really good with kids. Like when I go to the park with my son, I control all the children. Like I make them all play together. And like, you know, people always laugh about it. I, go, I have like a bunch of little water guns and I'll bring all the water guns and make all the kids have a water fight. And like, you know. So I think I could probably pull it off. But uh, yeah, I just think there's like a big market for kids YouTubers. There's also another one called Genevieve's Playhouse. And what they do is they take toys and they just make the, they like make a movie with the toys, right? Like make the voice. Like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah, like that, that kind of thing. And they're actually entertaining. Like they have some animation to it and stuff. I've watched a few of them that are like pretty good. Like they're pretty funny. I actually try to get Marcus into, he now knows how to use, use iMovie and so on. And so I'm getting him into making movies with his toys because he barely plays with his toys. He loves his iPad and he loves making videos. So right? he's got his own YouTube channel. Um, super epic Mr. Marcus. I got a shout out. <laughs> so, um, you know, right. it's, I just think there's a huge market for kids YouTubers. I'm just curious you guys' thoughts on, on making kids content. Well, I grew up watching Sesame Street, and I certainly was able to watch the same episodes over and over again as a kid, too. So I, I can totally understand that. I, I love that this is an opportunity for an individual to jump on YouTube and create things for kids and get exceptionally wealthy from it. Um, because, you know, I, I, I remember hearing whatever it was, Blue's Clues, Barney the Dinosaur. Um, where I grew up in Australia, there was the Wiggles. Uh, there was so many, like, things. And... and these these were like superstar rock stars for kids they'd have concerts and you know tens of thousands of kids would show up and you knew they were making a crazy amount of money because they get syndicated around the world on every single english tv network you know every single country that speaks english so this is just a modern day equivalent of it um i mean only thing i i guess i'm a little jealous because i don't feel like i would be at all good at this matt i'm not like you i would not want to try and be entertaining for kids in any shape or form so <laughs> well it's funny anyone who's like an early childhood educator you know they get paid like almost minimum wage right and if they really love kids entertaining kids like starting a youtube channel where you're teaching kids various things um when i want marcus to watch youtube i want to watch something semi-educational Versus just like kind of like yeah. dumb stuff. Like I remember like Peppa Pig. You know, Peppa Pig is Peppa Pig. It's okay. But it's like Peppa Pig is like completely not educational at all. Right? It's actually kind of like oh, counterintuitive. Yeah. I think education. I learned how to count thanks to Sesame you know? Street. I'm pretty sure the count on Sesame Street, you know, the guy who would do count. Right. Like Count Dracula. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't Dracula. remember learning to count, yeah. how to count anywhere else. So it's got to be Sesame Street. Yeah. How, how, Tom, how are you with uh, allowing your kids to like watch YouTube? Do you let them, do they have kids YouTube or do you let them have regular YouTube? Uh, yeah, kids YouTube, but only in Spanish. So uh, that's how I do it. I'm like, you if they watch anything, it's going to be in Spanish. So I just try Why to make Spanish? them. Why Spanish? Because I want them to be bilingual. It's an easy easy one to start with. Um, so oh, yeah, that's So actually, Peppa Pig, we watch in Spanish if we watch it at all. Oh. And so then there's... there's with you, subtitles there's, or what? Um, maybe, maybe not. But again, you know, it's funny because when I was traveling around the world, it's like we'd be in some like, we'd be in like Vietnam and like going to get laundry done and it would be like, the 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 son of the parent who runs the laundromat would be like translating for the parent, and I remember asking him like, "How'd you how'd you learn English?" He's like, "TV." <clears throat> so I'm just like reversing right, it right. for our kids. Like if they're gonna watch TV, it's always oh, in Spanish. So um, 
But wow, I would, the, interesting. Yeah, the one I look at actually is Coco Melon uh, was the one I was looking at. I almost thought about like reaching out and trying to interview those people because I was fascinated by it when I first had kids. I was like, well, we need to keep them distracted with something. So, you know, I started to look into these spaces and there's a lot of stuff that <clears throat> I, I'm personally, I'm like, I don't want their brain to melt just watching the screen. So I want it to be right. educational or some value. Again, the Spanish thing gives it a little bit of value in my, in my mind because um, then they're learning it and they're able to kind of communicate with it and speak it. But I do find the whole niche very fascinating, um, like just an in, a, almost infinite amount of money it seems like you can make in it. So again, the $75 million net worth of Blippi, haven't even heard of him, but doesn't surprise me. I think there's probably a lot of creators making a lot of money in that space. Blippi did the thing where he did like translating his videos. So I think he has a Spanish channel. I think he has a few other yep. ones like that. So he did that. Well, uh, he got yeah. a shoe deal with with K Swiss. So mm. K Swiss was trying to work with creators. Apparently, it didn't really work out for them because they did the Gary V's shoes. You remember that? That was the first one they did. I was gonna say, they do those still exist? I don't know if they still exist. I'm not sure, but mm. I, I heard that it wasn't working their, yeah. their strategy, anyways. Uh, but they had the shoes for Blippi. I tried to get them, but they weren't available in Canada. It was a little, mm. little difficult to get. But he does have merch and toys and you know stuff like that. Um, but I'm guessing he's just making boatloads of money from the AdSense because it's uh, family-friendly content. You know, all the advertisers want that. It's the engagement. Yep. So I think like... It's got to be the engagement. You think about it, the video yeah. plays all the way through. There's no like attention deficit with a three-year-old. Oh, right. That's right. They're usually not and controlling like, the screen yeah. too yeah. oftentimes. You know? That's right. You just set it and yeah. you forget it, right? Yeah. You just let it play. Mm -hmm. Even like those ads are just going to play because no one's there to skip it, you know? But, uh, and I wonder how much of it, like we used to watch a lot of it on the Apple TV, right? Not even on like YouTube, you know, app or on, the, on your phone and stuff, right? So, yeah. So Jordan Peterson, what happened to Jordan Peterson? Uh, I saw recently that he got suspended from Twitter, which he called a ban because he got suspended and they said that he would need to delete his tweet, um, which he references as apologizing. Uh, delete his tweet or uh, he's not allowed back on Twitter. So then he posted this video. I'm going to pull it up on my screen right here. I interesting video. I mean, he's in a dark room, kind of a navy blue background. He's wearing a suit, very direct to camera with, a, with another side camera going on it. I was actually watching it and I thought it was funny because I actually think he makes really good points. He diagnoses every part of what he said in this tweet and whether, you know, you could justify it as being, you know, harassment, hate speech, or whatever. And it's just, <laughs> I, I find it really entertaining. Uh, did you guys see it, Tom? No, I haven't. What, what was the tweet? Or are we going to get banned for repeating the tweet? Um, so the tweet was, remember when pride was a sin mm -hmm. and Ellen Page just had her breasts removed by a criminal physician, Right. So he was referencing how, uh, you know, being gay used to be a sin for thousands of years, right? So he's like, that's true. Well, in the sin of pride, right? Conceptually, like, I think he's, he's, I think he's even going farther back than that. Like, just the idea of pride itself is considered a sin, biblically speaking, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So then he's like, you know, whatever, you know, and then, and then he referenced, this was the funny part that I thought was funny, how he said... Ellen Page, which Ellen Page is the female name. I don't even know who Ellen Page is, by the way. And uh, so I don't even know who, what he's talking about. Yeah. But he's referencing how Ellen was a woman when she or he had her breast removed. So he's like, he can't reference Ellen. I don't know what Ellen's new male name was. 
but he can't say that he had his rest removed because Elliot. technically speaking, Elliot Page. only Elliot. Yeah. So technically speaking, a woman would have breasts, a man wouldn't have breasts. And if a man had breasts and why did he get them removed and all that, you know, it's just like a play on words, the whole thing, you know? So it's just like, you know, so, you know, I think it's interesting that that gets him. Like I could see also actually, sorry, I want to back up. I can see why if I was Ellen Page, I don't want someone speaking about my breasts being removed, you know? It's kind of personal. Why are you bringing it up? I guess. But I don't know the story behind, you know, the whole thing. I have no idea who even this person was, right? Um, but it does kind of get into this kind of like, what can you or can't you say, right? This is why Elon Musk was, you know, talking about buying Twitter and the censorship on Twitter and what's going on there, right? And it's also interesting that he could post this video on YouTube and not get banned on YouTube, right? Who knows? Maybe he will, but... I think the whole thing is just uh, interesting to see like what you are allowed or not allowed to say. And then furthermore, on kind of what's going on with Jordan Peterson, I thought this is interesting. He just got a podcast deal with Daily Wire, which is Ben Shapiro's company, which is part of Daily Wire Plus. So it's basically a paid subscription. So we're seeing more podcasters, like celebrity podcasters, doing a paid subscription. I know Dave Chappelle had one. I don't know about that. I feel like... It's never a good move. I don't know. Um, like the Dave Chappelle podcast. I heard about it when it came out. Never hear about it now. There's never anything about it. I don't know what it's about. I don't know why he did it. I don't know how much money they're making from it. You know, where you look at something like a Joe Rogan, which was just like on YouTube and, you know, it blew up. And now it's like the biggest podcast in the world, right? So it's kind of interesting how this podcast, I wonder about whether, you know, being behind a paywall, he can kind of say whatever he wants. And maybe that's kind of what he's going for, just be able to speak and get paid to do Isn't that. Isn't Rogan Paywall too? Didn't Wait, he get Spotify? Spotify? Spotify. Spotify. It's actually yeah, a big misconception when he first did the deal was that it's always going to be free is what but the deal was. It so. is free, but they pulled some of the stuff from YouTube, interestingly enough too. So that's not, yeah, it's not the same yeah. thing. Um, and that was, I guess, more yeah. of a strategic play with Spotify. But like, yeah, you can't, I don't think you can find all his content on YouTube no. anymore either, which is kind of interesting. Anywhere, yeah, they pulled tons of episodes. Yep. Yeah. Someone was tracking it. Yeah. I know there were people tracking it on, um, on uh, like which, how many episodes actually got removed. Honestly, I think this so, is one of the hardest things to do yeah. as a platform owner. Like yeah. I've been thinking about this because I'm building some software, Candid, which is, you know, a platform where creators will monetize their videos. And I'm thinking, well, what if someone puts up naked videos or says something in a video that for some people it's highly offensive and for other people it's just free speech. And uh, you, as the owner of the platform, kind of define, you're like the arbiter of what is appropriate. And you know, like some people love Jordan Peterson and I've come across, and probably more women that do not like Jordan Peterson a lot. And uh, it's impossible. You can't please all the people all the time. Um, I was actually looking into how decentralized social media might allow decentralized moderation as well. And the idea like, a tweet like that goes up and then like Reddit, you know, it's got the upvote, the downvote. So it could be surfaced, but then it could be pushed down. But there's always there's risk with that, too, because you can get the mob of one side pushing down or pushing up some content just because they have numbers. So this is difficult. I, I, I don't have an answer for it. I, I feel like this particular example, if another person like if Matt, if you posted about Ellen Page in the same way on your Twitter, I doubt you're going to get 
suspended or removed. No, because I don't. Yeah, because it has a lot to do with his status. Yeah, and his right? existing controversy like already. It. Right. And but size now of his audience they did too, that. Right? Yeah, but now that they did that, now that story's bigger. I would not have heard about it if they had not banned him. I was listening to Joe Rogan was on, um, what's his name's podcast? Lex Friedman. Recently, um, Lex Friedman's. And he was talking about during that time in January of 2022, when he was kind of getting canceled, that his show had never grown faster. He did over 2 million more subscribers during that time. So by kind of trying to cancel people, you know, around these sort of topics, it's just giving it more exposure, right? Yeah, and, but what about, say, yeah. like, um, you know, some of these actors who've been canceled recently, like Kevin Spacey, I think his canceling has had way more negative effects on his career versus, say, Joe Rogan, where no such thing as bad news. He's getting more subscribers. He gets, you know, more revenue. So... Right, but his Kevin Spacey like did something wrong. Yeah, wasn't he like said something yeah. wrong? I think his was like a yeah. sexual assault kind it of was, thing. Yeah, it? apparently, allegedly. Okay. He's, yeah, so that yeah, was like something allegedly. Many, many yeah. men. Yeah, it was allegedly. Like, yeah. yeah, so that's the difference. Is like putting like it's like words. So it's the deed right? itself, and right? it's not like, like it, it was a direct. And, and, and what? Yeah, because this is an an interpretation of the words, mm -hmm. right? So it's like you know what you know what you you know whatever someone says the meaning is filtered through your mind and then that's what the meaning is. You know what I mean? Like everyone can interpret things in, in different ways, right? So it's kind of like, it's really kind of like this, this psyche of the world is so weird right now where people want to like interpret things in a certain way and say this is right yeah. and that's wrong. And it's country right? to country and too. It's just like... Yeah, true. But it's funny because it's like I almost feel like my my, my uh, perspective on this almost is like I'm, I try to project like 10, 20 years in the future and look back on it. I think like <clears throat> free speech online will be like a, a, a historical footnote um, when we look back on like the 80s, 90s, because it was pushed so hard at that time. Hmm. Um, you know, free speech, free speech, whatever. And now you just see the gates shutting and the platforms that control it. And it's like a couple things to understand. And this is, this is relevant to creators. You don't control these platforms. You do not have free speech on these platforms. They control the narrative however they want to. Mm. And you know, to that point, it's like, yeah, by shutting them down, all of a sudden that tweet gets more exposure. But Twitter, they don't care. Like that's not the point. They're they're playing a very different game than you and I. Um, you know, their game's very different. But that's why I think you're seeing a lot of creators move to their own platforms and find. I think that's a huge opportunity. Like right now, like if you were an entrepreneur or something like that, or a software creator, to build platforms that are outside of these platforms to be able to host and and host these banned, um, you know, dissenting opinions and things like that. Listen, I know that treads a certain. We don't even have to get into where that treads that line right. with that treads, but it's almost the point that. You, you, if you, especially comedians too, you just see there's so many that have been banned in the last few years, but they're mm. starting their own platforms, they're doing their own things. Um, it's almost like something you have to account for. Like, so if you're going to be on these these mainstream platforms, YouTube, Twitter, whatever, it's like get it while the getting's good, but then you got to move off and build your own platform. I think that's ultimately the the, the if there's mm. a if there's a lesson to be learned, it's like you must be able to communicate with your part, your platform, your audience directly. Um, otherwise like those, especially if you're controversial, your, your, those gates will be shut. And even if you're not controversial, you just say something in passing. I know some people recently in the last year who've been knocked off huge platforms, um, because of just like one, one yeah. offhanded comment. So like it can happen pretty, pretty lightning quick. I remember, uh, recently watching one of those documentaries about the history of video games and they were talking about how you guys probably remember this in the nineties, 
There was a lot of legal cases on violence in games. Uh, Mortal Kombat was one that mm-hmm. kind of t- uh, triggered uh, sort of a political, uh, what do you call it, like investigation into it. And I remember looking at that going, oh my gosh, Mortal Kombat is tame compared to what we'll now see in a video game or in you know a lot of media. And I feel like the sort of the arc of what we find acceptable opens up more and more over time like you know we get a little bit numb to it maybe but what also has happened is these platforms have become so global so distributed so open anyone can do anything yet we've got parts of society like i i try to think about teenagers now and how you you know the the school rumor yard was hard enough when it wasn't spread through snapchat right like someone said this about you and you're like oh my gosh they said that yeah. about me that's and you, you know you would sink as a teenager thinking that other people are talking about you and now you'll it'll be in your face on a, a youtube video or maybe not youtube on a, a tiktok or a snapchat or whatever and that is not good like and i feel like there's the pendulums that swing like it opens up more and then there's consequences of it opening up and then we have to try and adapt to it and then there's cancel culture and platforms trying to control things but then it gets to the point where it influences political elections like for example i was watching the philippines election just recently and um i think it's marcos just got into power and he's the son uh or the grandson son of the grandson uh, of a dictator in the philippines so Right. I was I was trying to come up with an example that makes this relevant. This is too strong, but it's kind of like as if Hitler's grandson now became the chancellor of Germany. So two generations ago, they wouldn't touch. They know this horrible person. They they had uprisings. People died to get rid of this leader and force him out. But then enough time passes that his grandson gets into power. And it's primarily because the grandson was able to make use of social media and just spread this message among the youth of how effective he will be as a leader and how he'll make their lives better. And they don't have a memory of what the the family did in the past. So it's kind of creating a very dangerous situation where social media can be the arbiter of what is right or wrong simply because someone's better at making a viral video or not. So I, I think it, it does head to dangerous places, but I, I don't think it's gonna stop. Um, I think it's gonna become more open guys like Jordan Peterson can say anything and it's going to be okay because that's what's going to happen with decentralized platforms. It'll just, there'll be somewhere they can say it and not get canceled. Uh, I just don't know how far that goes when it comes to politics and safety of our children, free speech, all that sort of thing. Yeah. It's got, it's getting too extreme. You know, like the, the censorship is too much that is becoming unclear of like what should be censored or what should not be. Before it was like, you know, hate speech is hate speech and that's it, right? If, if someone threatens to murder somebody or says something really direct, you know, a direct attack, you know, that kind of stuff I could agree with, you know, but when they're censoring this where it's kind of an abstract it's all, it's all opinion. The, it's all the wrong think stuff. I mean, straight up, like I've read a lot of his, you know, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's it's got 1984-esque you know, patterns to it. Let's be real. It's like, this is double plus good, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, like this is, this is wrong thing. Um, and that's where it's going. But again, I, I look at that. I'm like, what are you going to do? Like, <laughs> I'm very pragmatic that way. I'm like, you know, it's like, what are you going to do? You don't control these platforms. So you got to get on your own. You got to, you got to find, you know, if you have things to say, you got to figure out a way to say them somewhere else. Then. I think that's going to happen. Um, we're going to each have a platform yeah. and we're going to have a lovely echo chamber that reinforces our beliefs. And, uh, you know, it'll be who has the biggest platform in reality because they'll have bigger numbers. Um, and that's yeah. unfortunately when 
people get persecuted and uh, you know we see it in, in countries where there's three religions one dominant one you know two smaller ones the two smaller ones don't have uh, as much power and, and often you know get persecuted so um what we really need to do is kind of i don't know we need to come up with a i i always think of the golden rule we're getting very philosophical and religious here but you know do unto others what you would have do, do unto yourself and if there was a way to just universally apply that and, and i i kind of think of this and go all right Jordan Peterson saying this about my body, um, if he was following the golden rule, would that be considered appropriate? Like he might say, I don't care if someone says that about me, where someone else would say, no, you're violating my body and I'm, I don't like it. So unfortunately, even something as seemingly as effective as the golden rule doesn't you know, cut across uh, and solve every problem. Yeah, I actually don't agree with what he said, that he should have said it or anything. I wouldn't defend what he said because it is kind of like, why like it is technically an attack you know what i mean like it's kind of like what's you know what's the relevance of what why say it you know but to like kind of suspend him or ban him like they, they would have given him like a seven-day suspension something like that would have made kind of more sense yeah. to that because it's still his opinion and he's entitled to you know twitter's about saying what's on your mind but it's you not know? so whatever he wants that's the thing that's I mean, what that's, it claims to be but it's not yeah like i think that's the thing we have to exactly, make a differentiation yeah, yeah. between that now like, and again, I know we're getting to the philosophical territory, but like right, it might right, say right, it right, is, right. but it's not like there's things you can't, you, it's wrong thing. And if it's wrong thing, then it's not allowed. Yeah. And like, so then to that point, yeah, yeah. that, that tweet, it kind of made me laugh. Cause I was like, what is, what is that tweet? What is the point of that tweet? But it's, yeah. that's what was funny to me when I heard it. But I'm like, um, and you know, again, it's, what do you expect too? Like, of course, you know, that's, what's going to happen. You're going to get slapped on the wrist. You're going to be, be put in timeout. You get put in the cage or you get kicked off the platform entirely. Like it's, it's already well known. Like these, you, you, you're, there's places you're not allowed to go. You're not allowed to say certain things, you know, and then you can, you can bring up the point. Well, there's all this like pornography on Twitter and all this nonsense on it and all this other stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's their platform though. That's, that's, that's how they roll. I think we just don't have, we don't have to pretend that they're somehow being equitable. Like they're not, right. it's just not. Yeah, that's right. All right, guys, so uh, that's our episode for today. Um, make sure to check the links in the description if you guys want to learn more about what Yara's got going on, what Tom's got going on. We also have a Spotify playlist. You can listen to that music while getting some work done. And it's also a playlist that you can contribute to. So if you've got your favorite tracks that you listen to while you're working, you can add to the playlist. It is in the link below. And uh, yeah, make sure to check us out. We are everywhere on YouTube. We got our podcast going. We also posting clips on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, we got a little distribution thing set up. So if you guys want to see clips and, and hear kind of what's going on, uh, make sure to follow there. All right, take care.